Hello, hello. We welcome you today to Love is Spoken Queer, Gospel Topics, LGBTQ Plus Voices. I'm Dustin Larson. And I'm Renee Hernandez. And Renee, we have another Voices of the Restoration. I keep forgetting that these exist until they pop up again, (laughs) and then I get excited when it happens. So this Voice of the Restoration is all about Zion's camp. And I believe we're going to hear from Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, Wilford Woodruff, and I think that's it. So yes. So let's big players. Yeah. Yeah. Some pretty big players. So let's get right into it. Who would you like to start off with for reading? Started. Okay. Um, Yeah. So Voices of the Restoration, Science Camp, because Science Camp never restored the saints to their lands in Jackson County, many people felt that their endeavor was a failure. However, many participants of Science Camp looked back on their experience and saw how the Lord fulfilled a higher purpose in their lives and in his kingdom. Here are some of their testimonies. Joseph Smith is the first testimony, and he says, Over 40 years after science camp, Joseph Young, who had been a member of the camp, reported that Joseph Smith said the following, Brethren, some of you are angry with me because you did not fight in Missouri. But let me tell you, God did not want you to fight. He could not organize his kingdom with 12 men to open the gospel door to the nations of the earth and with 70 men under their direction to follow in their tracks unless he took them from a body of men who had offered their lives and who had made as great a sacrifice as did Abraham. Now the Lord has got his 12 and his 70, and there will be other quorums of 70s called who will make the sacrifice, and those who have not made their sacrifices and their offerings now will make them hereafter. Oof, what, what do you think? Because I had a whole flood of thoughts come into my mind. Well, I, my brain, like, since I do love anime, I totally thought it as like an anime scene where it's like the king, if you will, like called like, you know, everybody to fight. But it's like just to see who had that brave heart kind of thing. And then he selected among those who would be part of his governing body. So I really like that. I thought it was cool. And I feel like that's a cool lesson to learn that not everything that is organized, planned, has the purpose you think it does. It could have purposes you don't even realize that are really sometimes even of greater importance than what you thought you'd be doing. Oh, I love that. Uh, Some of the thoughts that came to my mind are... God doesn't want us to fight. Like he doesn't want there to be the contention and he, he wants us to stand up for ourselves, but there's a time and a place for that. So there's twofold is God never wants there to be contention that leads to a fight and we need to trust in his timing. And I think that is really relatable to our queer members right now because we're angry. We're like, we've been crying up to you. We've been crying for to be accepted into the church. We keep getting little mini steps and then we get huge steps backwards. Why aren't you hearing me? Why isn't this happening? And God's just like, now's not the time. I'm now picking out my leaders right now. I'm seeing who's willing to put themselves forward, who is at a place in their journeys that will be up front in the front lines. And now he's starting to choose those people and giving them more visibility within the church or more leeway within like the leadership. And the time now isn't for us to have full membership, because again, like I said in previous episodes, the the church uh, as a whole, the membership of a whole won't be accepting of it. So now he's prepping the leaders within the queer membership. And then I think all the people who feel marginalized, he's pulling them as leaders to then combine their voices together. So when the powers that be are finally ready to listen, we have one strong unified voice. So I think that's what I got from it is we could be angry with God now, which is kind of Joseph Smith, but 
God has his reasons for not calling us to battle, quote unquote, right now, because he doesn't want us to. I think all of that war rhetoric he's done with. He's all about peace. Christ is the Prince of Peace. So I think he doesn't want us to do any more battles. I think he wants us to start defending ourselves from ourselves kind of too, is like making sure that we don't turn into the people that we would necessarily be fighting against. So that's what I got from it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So moving on to Brigham Young. When we arrived in Missouri, the Lord spoke to his servant, Joseph, and said, I have accepted your offering and we had the privilege to return again. On my return, many friends asked me what profit there was in calling men from their labor to go up to Missouri and then return without apparently accomplishing anything. Who has it benefited, asked they. If the Lord did command it to be done, what object had he in view in doing so? I told those brethren that I was well paid, paid with heavy interest, yea, that my measure was filled to overflowing with the knowledge that I had received by traveling with the prophet. I like that. You know what I was thinking about that? Slash, because they brought it up in the previous part with uh, Joe Smith, was Abraham. I was like, imagine... Abraham returns with his son, Isaac, and his wife's like, so you did all that and you brought Isaac back? Like, what's up with that? Like, <laughs> I thought you were there to kill him. I was like, that's kind of like the vibe I got from this. It's like the purpose was in the act, not necessarily the performance. I did like the question. I would have been probably in the same, but I'd be like, so you did all that for nothing. So when you apply it to our experience, it's like everything we do isn't for nothing. We just can't always see the end result. So it may feel that way, but we won't know. Uh, maybe even on this lifetime, what the beautiful purpose. I've had promptings that sometimes I'm like, why did I need to do that? Or like, why did why was I prompted to move to New York? And then in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I, I think I know a lot of reasons why I was prompted to go to New York and why it was time to come. It was time to leave. You know what I mean? At least reading about Brigham Young's experience or this sharing of it. That's the thoughts that came to my mind. I don't know what came to yours. Mine is the rewards aren't always the most obvious. Like I think a lot of the times when we don't succeed in the ways that we thought we were supposed to succeed, we see it as a failure and then we fail to see what rewards we really got out of it. Like when I started up kind of the gospel study group and we had a lot of people show up in the first few sessions of that, we were like, yes, we're succeeding. But then as like the pandemic hit and things started dwindling, like maybe two or three people would show up. And I always was like, oh my gosh, I'm putting so much time and effort into this. No one's listening. No one's here. No no one's showing their support this is a failure. What I fail to realize is that influence of having those, those gospel study groups that is queer focused set a ripple effect to have other people who had joined that gospel study group feel like they should start it in the places where they're now at, like across the, the country, like where everybody went in separate ways because of the pandemic. Now they're starting to spring up in all these different areas. So the rewards that I thought I was should be getting, which was like physical attendance, isn't the rewards that I am actually now seeing now, which is just the quote unquote cause being spread to other parts of the country besides just New York. So I think don't always think that your failures are in fact failures, but try to see if there was any rewards, even if it's you learning something like Brigham Young did. He learned a lot by being in the presence of Joseph Smith. Like even if you don't get anything tangible or or physical out of it, even if you learned that's reward enough and, and it should never be seen as a failure because the, the world isn't done. <laughs> your time on earth isn't done yet. And still there's still plenty of times for you to see what those rewards truly are. I totally agree. I feel like every moment you ever live is building on itself or in itself a moment. So like treasure it, love it, live it. I'm all for it. All right. Next up is Wilfer Woodruff. 
I, I said that like it was an announcement of like, come on in. We'll <laughs> come on down this year. Uh, the next down. contestants on the prices. You're the next contestant on the prices, right? That's what I yeah. heard. Love is spoken. Queer has invited Wilfred Woodruff to say his couple words. And he says, I was in science camp with the prophet of God. I saw the dealings of God with him. I saw the power of God with him. I saw that he was a prophet. What was manifest to him by the power of God upon that mission was of a great value to me and to all re- who received his instructions. When the members of the science camp were called, many of us had never beheld each other's faces. We were strangers to each other, and many had never seen the prophet. We had been scattered abroad like corn sifted in a sieve throughout the nation. We were young men and were called upon in that early day to go up and redeem science. And what we had to do, we had to do by faith. We assembled together from the various states at Kirtland and went up to redeem Zion. In fulfillment of the commandment of God unto us, God accepted our works as he did the works of Abraham. We accomplished a great deal, though apostates and unbelievers many times asked the question, what have you done? We gained an experience that we never could have imagined in any other way. We had the privilege of beholding the face of the prophet, and we had the privilege of traveling a thousand miles with him and seeing the workings of the Spirit of God with him, and the revelation of Jesus Christ unto him, and the fulfillment of those revelations. And he gathered some 200 elders from throughout the nation in that early day, and sent us broadcasts into the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Had I not gone up with Zion's camp, I should not have been here today, in Salt Lake City, serving in the Quorum of the Twelve. By going there, we were thrust into the vineyard to preach the gospel, and the Lord accepted our labors. And in all our labors and persecutions with our lives often at stake, we have had to work and live by faith. The experience we obtained in traveling in science camp was of more worth than gold. I love Wilfred Woodruff, the way he talks. I wish more people would write like this. I feel like we we don't write so cool anymore. I can only imagine how experience was to be able to like prepare, do all these things, go be around the prophet for the first time meeting him. Especially in hindsight, when he was sharing this, you know, what I mean, now that you've been called to the Quorum of the Twelve, and you're like the growth that has has come from it, you're able to not just reflect on it, but also see it. There are moments that I feel blessed by certain individuals that I've met in my life because just being around them has provided growth and stimulation for my own thinking, growth, development that I just love and appreciate. And in hindsight, it really does help my me live in faith that everything that happens really is meant to happen. And I love that Wilfred Woodruff shared that so beautifully in his spiritual journey in regards to how he believes he was selected or prepared to be in the Quorum of the Twelve, you know? Yeah, thank you. I I love that perspective. One of the things that came to my mind is people who aren't part of the cause will never fully understand the cause. That's what I got from it as well, is us as queer people of faith fighting for full acceptance of membership within the church and staying in the church and deciding to stay. And people who aren't part of that experience see it as almost laughable, see it as us setting ourselves up for failure, seeing it as staying in an abusive relationship. And then some of the members in the church are like, you're never going to get full membership because that's against God's will. And so both sides are like, you should just give up. What are you doing? But the people who are in it, the queer members of faith who want to stay active, who are trying to fight for the acceptance of members, we're the ones who get it. And no one will understand if they come at us with that sort of closed-minded way of thinking. 
And then they won't fully understand unless they're part of the cause, unless they know someone who is directly affected by the doctrine that excludes queer people of faith. Like if it's a sibling or if it's a a daughter or a son or that sort of thing, no one will understand unless they're part of it. And that's what I got from this too, is like both from Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and Wilford Wardruff, they were all questioned, like, you just wasted your time. You wasted your time, resources, energy, all that stuff for what? Nothing. And every single one of these individuals was like, you don't get it unless you were there. And and there's no use me straining myself to try to convince you. All I can do is share my testimony with you and hopefully that'll sway you. But other than that, you just won't get it because you weren't there. And I think that's something as us queer people faith can kind of take comfort in knowing that when the haters come at us or whatever, not to be discouraged because they don't get it because they're not in our position. And all we can do is just share our truth and share our testimonies and hopefully try to persuade them to join the cause and then they will finally get it. So I think that's just a really it's it's just a really great sort of encouragement that we can get from these leaders of the church. The two of them are president. Well, all of them are presidents. Never mind, early presidents of the church. For them to give this sort of advice and to kind of understand where we are now coming from, we can really find relatability to them and know that God was on their side, and then God will continue to be on our side as well, and to not take it so much to heart when people don't understand our experience when they're not able to experience it. That's awesome. All I can say is I agree. <laughs> and listeners out there, that was the last voice of the Zion's Camp Voices of the Restoration. So if you would like to join your voice with the rest of the Voices of the Restoration, feel free to send in your thoughts on what was just spoken in this episode to lovespokenqueer at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And I guess, Renee, the only thing we have to do is just to thank our listeners for listening and remember to always be true to you. And love one another. Until next time, bye. You've just listened to another episode of Love is Spoken Queer. If you want to join in on the conversation, feel free to send us an email at our Gmail account, which is lovespokenqueer at gmail.com, or send us a direct message on our social channels. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you really love our episodes and our show, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That is the fastest way for us to share our words with everyone out there. So again, thank you for listening. 